Welcome to China Insider, a podcast from Hudson Institute's China Center. It's Tuesday, August eighth, and we have three topics for today. The first is the passing of the Taiwan International Solidarity Act in the U.S. House of Representatives, and what this could mean for Taiwan's position on the international stage. The second is a runaway musical sensation taking China by storm, and what it tells us about the disenchantment of Chinese citizens. And third, we discuss the devastating flooding in northern China and the government's callous and insufficient response. Miles, how are you doing? Very good, Shen. How are you? Good, good. Before we begin, I know you had something to, you wanted to say to our listeners. Yeah,、uh, I want to give a special thank you to、uh, those、uh, listeners、uh, who give us a lot of support and encouragement、uh, for the first、uh, episode in Chinese, which was rolled last week, and we'll keep doing it. And xie、uh, xie. Great. Well, for our first topic, on July twenty fifth, the U.S. House of Representatives passed H.R. eleven seventy six, or the Taiwan International Solidarity Act. The bill is currently in review with the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. In summary, this bill would require the U.S. State Department to annually report to Congress any efforts on behalf of the PRC to undermine Taiwan's participation in international organizations or in the relations with other countries generally. The bill's preamble states an intention to provide that the United States should oppose any attempts by the PRC to resolve Taiwan's status by distorting the decisions, language, policies, or procedures of international organizations. Miles, how significant is this? Do you think this legislation will have a meaningful effect on Taiwan's position in the international stage? I think this is the first uh, uh, step to address a tremendous.、Uh, Injustice and humiliation in the history of American foreign relations—that is,、uh, the 1971 uh, United Nations Resolution uh, 2758. In that resolution, of course, China's、uh, representation and security uh, uh, council seat was restored,、uh, but、uh, Taiwan also was expelled from the United Nations. That was done in a very, very、uh, humiliating fashion, and which I will explain a little bit now. For the U.S. Congress to pass a resolution like this is actually quite、uh, amazing because it would have been impossible and unimaginable only、uh, five six years ago、uh, when you、uh, U.S. Congress touched upon the sovereignty of Taiwan or Taiwan's、uh, international status. China would have reacted very uh, uh, viciously uh, against this. So right now, I mean, past, and、uh, you know,、um, there's、uh, barely any response from China. It shows that the, the context in which the Taiwan issue is being discussed globally has changed dramatically. Five six years ago, is only about、uh, the sovereignty. It's about、uh, whether Taiwan is part of China or not. Nowadays, the global dialogue on Taiwan has changed 180 degree.、Uh, in other words, people approach the issue of Taiwan. Almost overwhelmingly, from the point of view of tyranny versus freedom, and you have many European countries, you have a, a, a U.S. government, and、uh, um, and another Asian country talk about the、uh, Taiwan status uh, uh, as a freedom and democracy, particularly in light of of Russia's uh, uh, war in Ukraine, and this is a particularly pungent. So. Most countries, when they talk about Taiwan、uh, nowadays, related、uh, related Taiwan issue to the、um, sovereignty and independence of Ukraine. So this is a, a, all by itself is pretty amazing uh, uh, deed uh, that uh, took place in the U.S. Congress. 
So we've seen this pass through the House. We still need to go through the Senate and not get vetoed by President Biden. Do you see this as a slam dunk or do you anticipate any pushback or changes made to this legislation as it goes forward? It's hard to say at this moment because uh, historical background uh, on this issue has been very, very telling. Initially, uh, the Nixon administration in 1971, which at the time was literally begging China for help the United States get out of Vietnam. So Henry Kissinger was dispatched to China. So the discussion at the United Nations on PRC representation in the UN uh, took place right after Kissinger's first secret visit to China. Um, And then uh, during his second visit to China, uh, this was when the uh, UN uh, resolution was discussed and voted on. The Nixon administration's initial intent was to restore the representation of PRC at the UN, give this permanent seat at the U- Security Council to the PRC, but maintain Taiwan as the member of the United Nations. That was the original intent. And it was uh, very interesting because the task of fulfilling this presidential intent was given to George H.W. Bush, who was then America's ambassador to the United Nations. And he did a very poor job. And he failed to rally our our essential friends and allies to uh, prevent Chinese demand of getting China in the UN, but in the meantime, expelling Taiwan from the United Nations. Ultimately, I think the issue boils down to one procedural issue. That is, uh, to get China back to UN, that's not a major problem. U.S. actually supported that. But to keep Taiwan in the UN would require a two-thirds majority votes. And China said, no, no, no. All you need is, uh, the Chinese side was uh, basically saying, no, no, no. You needed a simple majority, 50%, 51%. That's it. This resolution was brought up by China's ally, Albania, was debated. So the two-thirds requirement would have been okay to keep Taiwan in there, but we were stopped at the back by the British and the Soviets. So the UK and the Soviet Union said, no, 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 you don't, you don't need two-thirds. You need a simple majority. And the U.S. lost that, that, uh, on that uh, particular procedural uh, condition. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very humiliating. It's the beginning of this uh, uh, tremendously dangerous ambiguity on Taiwan's status. Uh, since then, the United States carry out what uh, we now call the One China Policy versus the Chinese government's One China Principle. The difference is this. The Chinese side said, you know, One China Principle clearly uh, would uh, uh, say that Taiwan is a part of the People's Republic of China. The United States, no. One China Policy from Washington, D.C. simply means that we are aware there is such an argument that Taiwan should belong to the PRC. We're not endorsing it. Second part of that one China policy is that United States opposes use of force unilaterally to change the status quo. And the third, I think is the most important part of the, of the US China, one China policy is that all settlement on Taiwan's future must be agreed to by the people of Taiwan. And that's it. Hopefully, that uh, when the Senate overwhelmingly passed this 
bill, which I think probably will will, will happen, and they will send it to the desk of President Biden, and he will sign it. That's my hope. So this is an important step towards、uh, away from that ambiguity, as you said. In your opinion, do you think we will see anytime soon outright congressional or presidential support for Taiwan independence? I don't think there is a particular call for for Taiwan independence. The reality is that I mentioned earlier about status quo. The United States supports、yep. status quo. Nobody wants to change the status quo. Then the question is, what is status quo? Eighty-five to ninety percent of people in Taiwan want status quo preserved. Status quo means that no unification with China, no declaration of independence. Which also means that status quo actually is de facto independence because Taiwan, for all practical purposes, is a functioning democracy, is a functioning government, which has its own national identity and its own foreign ministry, defense ministry, its own trade policy. And uh, uh, Taiwan has never been ruled by、uh, the People's Republic of China for for not even one second um,、uh, since 1949. So the question for the U.S. Congress and for for the U.S. administration is: How do we then interpret the status quo? Is status quo independence?、Uh, Taiwanese leaders, from President Tsai Ing-wen on down, has said repeatedly: There is no need for Taiwan to declare independence. Because Taiwan is already an independent state, and its name is Republic of China in Taiwan, the Chinese government has always used the issue of Taiwanese independence as a red herring, declaring that there is a a tremendous force, a powerful clique in Taiwan, seeking new declaration of independence. That's just nonsense. Doesn't exist. For our next topic, here's something I imagine a lot of our domestic U.S. audience may have missed. A runaway musical sensation in China being called the. I'm gonna go for this.、Uh, Luo Cha Hai Shi, yeah. Luo Cha Hai Shi, yeah. The Luo Cha Hai Shi, yeah. The song is billed as a combination of Chinese folk songs and stories from a Qing Dynasty classic, but commentators have noted that it seems to be a satirical takedown of the Chinese entertainment industry and society、uh, through coded insults. Miles, could you explain what's going on here、um, and why this song is so popular? Well, this is a song by a relatively obscure but popular singer. His name is Dao Lang.、Uh, let me spell it out: D A O and L A N G. And the song's、uh, title is called "Luo Cha Hai Shi." It's a L U O C H A, and then H A I S H I. It's basically, you know, they came out about two weeks ago. And I, I want、uh, listeners to 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 pay attention to what I'm going to say next. Since its rollout two weeks ago, it has been played over nine billion times. Nine billion times in China, primarily on on Douyin, which is the Chinese domestic version of TikTok. It's owned by the same company,、uh, Dibans. By all accounts, it's a smashing cultural phenomenon that's sweeping China right now. Its its popularity is growing. Why? Well,、uh, the song itself. Uh, uh, it's a very, very interesting. The title "Luo Cha Hai Shi" is the title of a surrealistic short story told by China's foremost satirist, a surrealistic ghost story writer,、uh, Pu Songlin. This short story is part of a masterpiece, "Liao Zai Zhi Yi." Which is roughly translated into something like "strange tales from a storytelling chamber." 
This book was published in 1740, uh, nearly 300 years ago. In this story,、uh, uh, Pusolin describes a handsome young merchant man, and、uh, his name is Ma Ji, who,、uh, on one of his commercial trips, uh, uh, his uh, his uh, ship was blown off course by a, a storm, and he stumbled upon an absurd and ridiculous kingdom called the Luo Cha. Uh, where everything is upside down, ugliness is beauty, vice is virtue, prostitutes and pimps were paragons of social mores. The ugliest person on the island, with three nostrils whose ears were grown backwards, is the prime minister. The donkey in this Luocha kingdom fancies itself as a stud, a mastodon, or a stallion. The flightless chicken. Dream of self of being a soaring bird of power and virility. Everyone in his kingdom is a pretender, a cheater, and a phony. So this song by Dao Lang that that's wrote two weeks ago,、uh, use all the characters in this story、uh, of 1740 from the beginning、uh, of the song and explicitly、uh, suggest that this kingdom is in fact today's China. That's where the power <laughs> comes in, and its popularity、uh, just began to、uh, to increase dramatically, and because this uh, song uh, uh, writer, the singer、uh, Dao Lang himself, has been vilified by virtually all the big shots in China's official music establishment, so all the characters in the lyrics can be easily related to each of the individual celebrities. Uh, uh, who are endorsed by the Communist Party? Who have bullied him and humiliated the、uh, singer Dao Lang? This is why people uh, 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 feel uh, these lyrics were in- incredibly、uh, suggestive and powerful. Not only that, in this uh, uh, sort of very surrealistic song, Dao Lang uh, uh, ends this uh, uh, his song with a serious sentence. The last sentence of the lyrics、uh, says. This surreal and ugly state of affairs in the kingdom of Luo Cha, meaning China, is the fundamental problem of mankind. <laughs> so, with one single song, Dao Lang has become China's Bobby Dylan. Wow, a voice of oblique protest and a powerful expression of a volcanic anti-establishmentarian mentality. To a certain degree, if I may. Uh, the popularity of this song has also、uh, has also has something to do with this uh, uh, artistic uh, 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 quality. Artistically, it's very clever. He uses all the、uh, historical allegories, metaphors, never clearly spells out its specifics. Yet everybody understands what and whom、uh, uh, this song is aimed at. That is the snobbish cultural establishment of the PRC. It contains a lot of puzzles, riddles, as well as the、uh, mentioned names like you know the Australian philosopher Wittgenstein, for example. Wittgenstein, of course, you know、um, was famous for a study of logic and the manipulation of perception and mind, and he also used a lot of a very elegant and tasteful rendition of the unmentionables. And this song is a hodgepodge and mystic lyrics. Uh, reminds me of、uh, Don McLean's American Pie. There's a lot of very,、uh, very obscure、uh, references over there, giving it the power of suggestion and imagination. He, you know, has this uh, 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 incredible power of causing without using 
a single dirty word, and、uh, which reminds me of the、uh, the master in this category of, of Voltaire of seventeenth、uh, uh, century in France. Of course, the difference is that Voltaire never had close to nine billion plays of his work. I think Dowlang's sensational new song "Luo Cha Hai Si" is nothing but a giant middle finger to the PRC cultural establishment that is full of snobbery, ostentatiousness, fakery, and distorted and tortured aesthetics. Miles, this is just incredible. I mean, I guess the the question I have is: this song's been out for two weeks now. The meaning of the song is cryptic, but people are picking up on it, spreading like wildfire. The Chinese Communist Party is not blind to the power of images and poetry and the effect that that can have on a people, and how that can affect the position of a ruler or the、uh, state of a political community. What do you think the response is going to be? Does the singer need to be worried? Is he in China right now?、Um, should he be concerned? It's very hard to pin anything on him, the singer himself, because he never used any direct reference to the party, to the uh, uh, to any particular individual. Living in China had this kind of unbearable lightness, lightness of being. <laughs> this is to use a a popular expression. And people are very subdued overall,、uh, particularly this this time of day of Xi Jinping's regime. But this song basically, you no, know,、um, lightened people up.、Uh, they got、uh, really, really excited about uh, 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 how to sort of uh, uh, vent their displeasure and disenchantment.、Uh, you can see there's a lot of copycats, a lot of funny renditions、uh, of the same song, and、uh, in different kind of a form of arts. Picking opera, you know, of、uh, uh, different kind of regional opera、uh, schemes, and、uh, there are hundreds and hundreds each day coming out. As I say, China is a a country of the tyranny and dictatorship, but also China is a country of extremely surreal reality. It's very very absurd. So that's why people began to realize、uh, not only China is a bad country, but also is an absurd country. is is a very Kafka esque. Certainly. Well, for our last topic. Looking to the government and the way it acts,、uh, in particular, northern China is in the midst of devastating flooding right now. With Beijing receiving the heaviest rainfall it's seen in 140 years as a result of Typhoon Duxuri, millions of people have been evacuated and relocated. There's been a significant amount of popular resentment, though, towards the government's response.、Uh, Miles, from what I've seen, it appears that in an effort to protect Beijing, floodwaters were intentionally diverted to neighboring areas, which unnecessarily increased the destruction to population centers outside of the capital. Is this correct? Could you shed some light on what's happening here and why people are so upset? And、um, It's just as a follow-up: is the government's response as reprehensible as people are claiming? Well, this、uh, this typhoon Duxuri, as I said, has dumped a lot of water in northern China, particularly in the area near Beijing, which is the capital. So, in order to、uh, to protect Beijing, the Chinese government、uh, has decided to sort of discharge a lot of water from the the dams, several couple dozen dams surrounding Beijing, and di- divert. The flood water to somewhere else. This has never been openly announced, but it did happen, and that makes a lot of people、uh, who were affected by the diverted water very, very upset.、Uh, not only it was not clearly announced, there was no sufficient prior warning of the、uh, of the discharge of the、uh, dam water uh, to the air、uh, to residents in the area to be affected. So that's why people are very, very upset. Another source of resentment actually comes to a, a, a traditional Chinese communist、um, methods. That is cover up. 
there are very powerful propaganda on Chinese media, TV. The fake helicopter rescue and the fake tired rescue uh, workers over there. And the, the, the people actually pointing out that this is totally fake. And that's why people get really, really upset. And there's some villages there where the, the dam was supposed to be um, um, open. So the uh, the officials were came in the middle of the night without telling the sleeping villagers. Uh, and then once they're discovered, the villagers get so angry, they went to the place where the gate uh, it was and to confront the officials. There was a lot of body clashes over there. So that's why, you know, this is kind of uh, was done without the consent uh, of the people, uh, uh, of course, uh, but also without the warning to the people to be affected. It shows the, the callousness of the government. And when this uh, uh, flood of uh, almost biblical proportion took place in, in, in northern China, Xi Jinping was in, uh, in Chengdu uh, to attend the, uh, the World University Games, um, dining, whining. So people really, really uh, get really upset and, and, uh, about the priority of the, of the Chinese government. This is where Taiwan is playing very smart uh, politics. The president of Taiwan, Chai Ing-wen, and his vi her vice president, uh, uh, William Lai, promptly sent uh, uh, words of condolences and encouragement to the people affected in, uh, uh, in China, northern China by the flood and in simplified Chinese characters. And uh, uh, they scored very big among popular, uh, among ordinary Chinese people. Well, Miles, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for speaking with me, and I'll see you again next week. Thank you, and uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of China Insider. For Chinese language listeners, be sure to check out our monthly Chinese language episodes. And for those who prefer written analysis, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, China Digest, the best place to stay up to date on Miles' analysis and the latest news on China. As always, you can stay up to date on the China Center's activities at Hudson.org.